With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome to a super quick turnaround pod from us. Recording on Sunday night as I make the most of having Monday off. I've got annual leave tomorrow, so I'm having a cheeky beer on a Sunday. Hooray! What a game week it was, though, with soft penalties everywhere as we parted like it was game week one from two years ago. Alongside late, late returns from mid-priced midfielders bailing out the likes of Nick and I, plus a seriously lucky break for yours truly, as we'll come on to in just a minute. We are Who Got the Assist. I'm Tom. Find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. My normal co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. The league code is 2IP43T. We're going to close them in league very soon. I'll mention that in just a bit. This week, as you can probably see if you're watching on YouTube and you're here in just a second, Anthony's having a night off as our on hiatus co-host, Nick, is back for a quick visit. Coming back to us now at the turn of the tide, as he's no doubt in a good mood due to a particularly inspired purchase a few weeks back, actually, paying dividends this week. You're right, Nick. Good to see you again on the pod. Oh, good. Thanks. I think I certainly timed my return to the pod uh, quite well, uh, considering it's just sort of my second most successful game week since game week one. So, yeah, pretty happy, all things considered. Got myself a glass of me to, to enjoy as well, whilst we pod. So, uh, yeah, pretty good. If we just go through the agenda rundown, I guess. Um, quick turnaround. So, it's going to be quite a short pod. It's ultimately just going to be a, a correspondence section and some questions and answers after our usual updates. But, yeah, firstly, Let's get started anyway. Let's crack on and, and do the gaming reviews. Oh, all right. In Anthony's absence, it's probably a decent absence for him. Uh, he only got 59 this week, a pretty um, difficult week for him, unfortunately. He wrote on our WhatsApp group and said that he had some shambolic transfer results this game week. He's managed to swap one dud forward for another. Dolt. He says he had the right idea to get somebody in the Palace attack all right. But yeah, it's not worked out. See, look, here's the thing, Tom. There are a few interesting moves this week. He brought in Tekkers, Bruno Fernandes and Bowen for Tony, Son and Jota. End on that 59, as I mentioned, which is a 
sizable red, sadly, for him. I mean, of that 59, the backline fueled it, the Cancello Cleany, that Rudiger double assistant bonus, the white Cleany, the Trent nine pointer, and Salah, obviously, with the penalty. That was it, really. I mean, Guaitar got the saves. You know, Reese James, another bagel, third bagel in a row. Bowen blanked his transfer in. Benteke only got subbed on in the 60th minute, something like that. And Josh King also blanked. So, Yes, 59 and a bit of a red, unfortunately, for him. I think he's down to about 650k at the moment. Big ouches all around. He's missed this pod, and I think he's really quite glad to have done so. And the big question for him now to answer over the next couple of weeks is what happens with Jota, especially if he's back against Newcastle. Moving on to me, I think, next, because Nick's had a really, really good week. Um, I also had a decent week. I got 82, but I took a minus eight hit. So I was thinking of taking a hit. It was a bit of a weird one, you know, certainty of red arrows, small chance of success. What was I waiting for? I went for it. I took Rafinha out for Bowen. Obviously that wasn't great, but I did remove after all the COVID news and the Brighton and Spurs games being called off, Reggie and Kane for Dallo and Ronaldo. I thought it would set me up very nicely for this kind of week of fixtures, but I've got to admit, I got incredibly lucky this week. So on Friday night, I was shocked when the game reopened that my intended Benchy, who was Connor Gallagher, hadn't actually come through. So on my bench instead was Dallow, and I fully intended to bench Gallagher. I had you know, the Twitter screenshot, had Gallagher on the bench, and I was really annoyed um, about that not really working out. Couldn't really work out why. I confirmed it on my phone. I'm sure I confirmed it on my computer. Maybe there was some sort of jiggery-pokery going on with the FPL game at that point. I know a few people were saying so on socials. Obviously, incredibly lucky. What a touch that is. I don't feel anywhere near as bad about having Dallow on my bench. Decent green arrow from that score up to 250k from 300k, so back in the right direction. I had a decent start, little man Dennis scoring from a corner should have been nowhere near. But on Saturday, the Cancelo seven-pointer and a relatively quiet game for City, so I dodged a lot of punishment from not having a City mid. Then in the 3 p.m.s, a huge 11-pointer from Ramsdale. Yes! Stole greater and Ramsdale smashed it. Yes! Sorry, <laughs> a Trent nine-pointer. Unfortunately, James, as I mentioned, that third bagel in a row, three zeros, not good at all. Um, in midfield, Jota came on to block Dallow, who thankfully only got five points. Elsewhere, the two premiums, the two towers in Ronaldo and Salah returned through really soft penalties, let's be honest. Uh, this afternoon, Bowen and Antonio, who's definitely circling the trap door for me, we'll come on to that in just a bit, blanked. So with my game week dead on the safety score, I needed a return for my last man. That last man was unintentionally Conor Gallagher, the man who shouldn't have even been on the pitch. Ah, oh, yes, Gallagher. My light in the darkness when all other lights went out. The last man scoring me points out of nowhere. <laughs> Now, he was on it all game. It was just amazing to see that last minute screamer go in. I shouted, Ladderher! <laughs> Made my missus jump. Uh, Ladderher, by the way, is our friend actually, FPL brain, JP's thing. I'm not sure why he came up with that, but it stuck a massive 15-pointer. So all in all, yeah, 82 points, minus eight. A rare green arrow on a large hit, and I'm very happy with that. But one man has done better than me. No hit this week. And the game hadn't quite updated if you watch on YouTube. So I've had to kind of make this myself. But I think it's an 84 you come out at, don't you, Nick? Yeah, I did get 84. Um, so, yeah, absolutely huge score. Only actually had 10 men this week as well playing because uh, Robert Sanchez in goal didn't play. And I didn't bother replacing oh. him either. I've had, I've had him so since nice. game one gone for a little bit of a different strategy to yourself where you've done a goalkeeper transfer basically every other week i've not transferred my goalkeeper <laughs> once i've just kind of sat with this guy and just thought i can't be bothered to take hits or anything like that so he he didn't play but yeah 10 men 
ultimately, um, yeah, it's an excellent score. I'm super happy. I think obviously the defenders kind of some usual suspects there, isn't it? With Cancelo with seven, Alonso four, Trent nine, Captain Salah. Got a few penalties going my way as well with the likes of Rafinha. He got his seven pointer. Ronaldo um, got a nine pointer, and uh, and Madison sort of. Uh, dived a little bit to get the first assist and then in the second um, half he just absolutely blew up so this is my differential Tom was referencing was James Madison got me 16 points this game week absolutely smashed it so really really happy about that also Ben White six pointer of course as well came off the bench you know I knew he was going to come off the bench anyway because I started Tony for some reason, just just for lols ultimately, even though he wasn't actually playing. And then, um, yeah, in the competition between Dennis and King, my precious Dennis, he succeeded with a nine-pointer. So there was no return of the King for Josh King. So very happy with the Dennis nine-pointer. But ultimately, where things kind of ended on a sour note, I guess, um, you know, it's always a negative, isn't it? Even with an 84-pointer, is playing Jota. So Jota was my only player in blank, so... You know, tell me where's Jota because I'm much desire to speak with him. And I had Connor Gallagher on the bench. You're the, oh, were you just talking no. about this guy for a little while. 15 pointer sitting there on my bench because Jota came on for about 25 minutes and missed a sitter in the last minute as well, you know, in classic Jota style. So a little bit of a negative to end on, but ultimately 84 points. Um, I'm very, very happy with that. Still pushing towards respectability, sort of top 200K now at least. So, yeah, pretty happy. Decent. Uh, moving on to the objectives very quickly. And is obviously not here, so he'll fill you in next time. For me, captaincy, obviously, do what, whatever Mikel tells me. Still in his algorithm, did that. Transfers and 50 50 situation, take the hit. I did this week in spectacular fashion. I was thinking about not taking the extra four for Dallow. I did. And ultimately, I guess it would have paid off, sort of ish, except I would have probably benched uh, Gallagher. So it's worked out unintentionally very well. Um, but it was a bit of a, a wasted minus four, unfortunately, which takes the sheen off things a little bit and take a chance on form buying bandwagon in players. Well, I think Bowen, as I mentioned last week, he was doing pretty well in the SGI, uh, the non pen SGI, that is, according to Stats Bomb. So he's there, he's in my team, but he was a little bit of a disappointment this week that's for sure and Nick in general how are you doing this season you I think you've just overtaken me this week haven't you so it's definitely not been golden one but nonetheless you're doing all right as you said pushing upwards aren't you and any sort of change to your play style or are you continuing to keep it quite cautious We've kind of been mirroring each other a little bit over the past sort of seven or eight game weeks. We've basically been on like one or two points um, between our ranks. So it's, mm. it's not, been, not been a great season, but it's it's a bit different actually because normally the last few years I've always died really well. And then I've, I've kind of ended up kind of collapsing in like the last sort of game weeks of the season and dropping rank. So it, it makes a nice change actually chasing a little bit more so you know, I'm, I'm enjoying it got a few green arrows in a row ever since that sort of Salah captain disaster against Man when he scored so many goals against Manchester United so yeah uh, it's, it's going all right in terms of FPO in terms of sort of objectives I mentioned about how I'm kind of t- trying to sort of not be too clever and and try and get momentum when, it, when there's sort of a pick that's the worth the getting behind that sort of momentum and you know I'm doing all right with that I guess this week I kind of thought you know the simple move was just doing Kane to Ronaldo um, which I did, and I, I got Ronaldo's nice nine pointer there. So that's that's me not being too clever. And then with Madison was a bit of a differential pick. I felt like there was a bit of momentum in terms of what he was returning in the game, but he was still a differential as well. And ultimately, that you know that paid dividends for me this week. Um, yeah, 
know, and I, I can't really blame myself for benching Callagher because there's so many other players in my team. I didn't have space for him, ultimately. I mean, I could have put him, I guess, against ahead of Ben White, maybe. But, yeah, it's, it's a tough one, ultimately, because when I watched him the other week, he, he was playing really defensively. So it's very interesting, actually, to kind of monitor that, whether he's playing an offensive role for Crystal Palace or a defensive role, depending on who, who lines up for them. So, yeah, I, I felt like... I. I made the right decision benching him and then 10 minutes into the game I started watching it and he was like so attacking I was like oh no I've made the wrong decision here and uh, yeah I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to make that mistake again yeah I think with Will Hughes there he's meant to be the successor to MacArthur a little bit so he kind of sits back and allows Gallagher to do what he does what was noticeable actually is when Schlupp came on Gallagher started being a lot further back and playing in that sort of defensive role again I uh, noticed you know when the ball was played forward and it was kind of interplay amongst the front three he wasn't arriving like he was before but then the free kick basically by the corner flag that was the only reason he was in the position to get his shot away and it, what shot it was by the way I was, uh, I'm, I'm probably looking at it through rose-scented glasses because obviously it was points for me but nonetheless yeah interesting to see as you say Nick it's all about the personnel and who he plays with but hopefully his ability to be a match winner isn't going to be overlooked too much by uh, Paddy V uh, over there at Crystal Palace. Moving on to the Min League update very, very quickly. This week, there's new number one. It's Ryan Quinn. No scout, no glory. Yes, Ryan's gone from second up to first. Took a minus eight this week. He brought in Ronaldo. He brought, well, he brought in a few players, actually. But Ronaldo came in and was his captain. I think it's the first time I've seen a, a player in the top 10 not captain Salah for a little while. And it's an 87-pointer for Ryan this week. In second, a new entrance of the league, which is why we're going to lock the league very soon, is Ross Loggerwood. Thank you for listening and being part of the Min League, Ross. Deuce of Hazard for 60-pointer this week. A bit of a mere week, but still, I mean, Ross is doing very, very well this year. In third, joint third, actually, there are two big winners from this week. Marty Ra with Pedrenko and Caleb Simafa. Credit to the boys. 92 points for Marty, 91 for Caleb. Both have got all the suspects you'd imagine basically as being part of their team, both on 11-28 points. So just five points behind Ross. In fifth, because of obviously the two further, it's Daniel Mind, who's down from first to command state this week. It didn't quite work out for him, the 63. Staying in joint fifth as well is James Corolt, 69 of this week, a sweet 69 for JQ. And he actually shares fifth spot with another person as well. So there's three people in fifth. Joe L, Black Lives Matter, 59 points, sees him go nowhere. Up from 22nd to eighth, it's Damo Pashby with Moeba, Moeda, sorry, FC, 81 points for him. He's come all the way up from 22 to eighth. And in ninth, Mohamed Arafa as well, um, who's been in the round actually of the top 10 quite a lot this season. He's up from 26 to ninth, so 84 points for him. And finally in 10th, Graham Murray, down from 7th to 10th, 66 points this week for him. And Sanji0101 up the Chels, 72 points, sees him into the top 10 all the way up from 14th. We're going to lock the mini league probably in a couple of weeks, so game week 19. I'll put something out on socials about this too. Obviously, hoping that people discover us throughout the course of the season and join them in the league, that's great. But the amount of late entrants probably may be a bit miffing to people who have been doing very well throughout the year. So, yeah, that's what it is. But well done to everybody who's been doing very, very well thus far. 
And finally, for this little update session, before we move on to the main questions this week, it's the market forces. And the, the main sort of progenitor of the market forces is here. So I'll let you take it away, Nick. What have you been noticing this week in terms of the reaction to the game which has just gone? Obviously, we're recording literally on Sunday night, so there probably will be a few things that will change. I'm sure uh, Gallagher, uh, well, Gallagher's already in the market force, actually, isn't he, Nick? Yeah, he is. But um, the most transferred in player as we enter the uh, Christmas period, actually, is Emmanuel. It's Emmanuel Dennis uh, with 274,000 transfers in for him. He's now the top scoring forward in the game. You know, let's be honest, we, we got him in because he was cheap and he was and he was playing ultimately, you know, back in sort of game week four is when I brought this guy in. But yeah, he, he just keeps returning and keeps scoring. Um, much to the chagrin of the analytics crowd, but as we know, football's played on grass. Dennis is continues to score so uh good good week for us dennis owners there certainly but otherwise uh bernardo silva another man sort of outperforming his xg now the second highest scoring midfielder in the game with seven goals three assists with name and seems to be the best sort of manchester city you know attacking pick right now and certainly nailed on so i certainly understand why people are looking at him and buying him in and he's, he's going to be one of those players as well that starts to become more and more scary to not own just as that ownership increases and increases as we kind of saw this week he's, he's starting to impact our scores whenever he returns so that's a, a bit of a danger otherwise ollie watkins actually interestingly enough he's the third most transferred in player so watkins i guess he's he's not had huge impact on this season i guess he's got four goals one assist to his name being pretty quiet all things considered um you know last season he had amazing returns 14 goals and nine assists but um what's interesting about watkins i guess is is villa's fixtures really starting to shift now so they've got norwich burnley chelsea leeds brentford next five so obviously chelsea's hard but you know four of the teams sort of right down the bottom of the league there so um i think yeah watkins looks like a great shout and um also, we've seen a lot of forwards being transferred out this game week. So Vardy's being heavily sold. Jimenez, heavily sold. Um, Ivan Tony still a lot of people selling him. Obviously, he's flagged as well. So Watkins seems to be the, the, the popular pick right now in terms of the forwards. So um, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit later. There's, there's question marks actually about Aston Villa right now and COVID. So just, just be warned there. Mount and Ronaldo, they sort of make up the top five in terms of transferred in players. Mount, again, seems to be the Chelsea attacking pick that's the best of the bunch. He's now got three goals to assist in the last game. And obviously, Ronaldo, the straight swap connect came to Ronaldo, but he scored again tonight. So ownership's increasing heavily. Another player where if you don't own him, he starts to get a bit scary in terms of um, ownership if you don't own him. And Man United have some great fixtures as well. But obviously, with Ronaldo, it's price, so it's just about how you fit him into your team and how you budget for it if you don't have him. Yeah, definitely. And we're also seeing after tonight's heroics, heroics, Conor Ladaher. He's there, 75,000 transfers in now. I suspect he'll start to break into the top 10 pretty soon. He's also performing very well in terms of the overall scores for midfielders. You know, it's, it's amazing given the 5.5 million start price. He's the third highest scoring midfielder at the moment. He's outscoring the likes of Mane, Son, Jota and the aforementioned Mason Mount. And being sold, Nick, as you mentioned, is all of those strikers to basically fit Holly Watkins in, really? I mean, we'll speak about him in a little bit, but yeah, Vardy, Jimenez, Tony, as you mentioned. Cancelo, we've got a question on him in just a bit, being shifted on by the majority of managers this week, 210,000. And there's a couple of midfielders, aren't there, Nick, to complete the set? Yep, Smith-Rowe's being sold quite heavily at the moment um, and also a, a Jota being sold. So, I mean, both Smith-Rowe 
and Jota were flagged before this game week. They've both now had their flags removed, actually. Um, Smith-Rowe missed out on the last couple of games. So could be a little bit risky, I guess, to sell him after knowing that he's coming back, ultimately. And Arsenal have sort of reasonable fixtures. But I guess it's kind of the rush to get on players like Conor Gallagher, who did perform this week. Yeah, certainly that must be what's happening. Right, let's move on to the main part of the podcast, which is just correspondent business questions this week. The first thing is the correspondence. It's a short correspondence this week. We've got a bigger question incoming from this week's correspondent, Bryn Stewart, but we're using his sort of follow-up question just to address kind of something which is floating around a little bit in recent weeks. Hang on a minute. Let me just swap into bouncy mode. So basically the correspondence section is your chance to get your ideally longer form questions, query, discussion points, addenda, whatever, answered on the podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Instead, write in to whogottheassist at gmail.com and we'll be so, so happy to receive your correspondence. This week, Bryn Stewart wrote in to us and, well, as I mentioned earlier, he asked us a question and then there's a sub kind of question he asked us this too. Bryn asked, what are our plans or do we have any players that will be going to AFCON and is surgery needed prior to that? Or are hits going to be coming at some point? He says, I know I have at least four players who are AFCON players. So he's very interested to see what we're going to do. So I had a look at basically the African Cup of Nations website. So I thought, where best to get it from the source? The 9th of January is the official start of the tournament. On the 9th of December, the official website posted that there'll be a first day countdown from that point, and it lasts until the 6th of February. Game week 25, then, maybe the first day that players come back, and game week 20 is probably the last game week for affected players. In terms of list itself, when I last looked, few, not many, were part of the FPL template. Salah and Dennis, I think, are the only ones truly denting the ownership numbers. And we've still got four game weeks to go on top of that. And honestly, I characterise worries about it as being a bit of a red herring for most. Like if you're somehow sat there with the likes of, you know, niche picks like Mendy, Corne, you still got Ben Rama somehow, then you probably aren't in a great position anyway. You know that they're fires to put out. Salah and Dennis are fairly easy to replace in four weeks' time, I think. Like, Dennis is whatever. Probably the big question will be, how do I get Salah back? But even then, there'll be, you know, three to four game weeks within that period. And furthermore, there's probably a ready-made replacement for him and Son because Spurs have got Southampton, Watford and Arsenal the first three game weeks of Salah's away. That's a decent three to start with, although Egypt are likely to get quite far into that tournament. And you can probably fairly easily cater to get him back. You know, FPL is a very changeable game. We might see people leave money in the bank for him, but I, I think that we'll probably end up kind of making the move somehow within our kind of scope of what the meta is at that time. I'm sure things will change and other players will come to the fore. And I get the same vibe as when we, back in the day, worried inordinately about how we were going to do in blank game weeks. We always ended up loading up on the likes of you know West Brom and Everton uh, when you had players who weren't blanking, smashing it all around us. We were you know thinking, oh yeah, I've got to plan ahead for four game weeks' time by these guys. I don't think you'll be looking at many of the players on this list and think, yeah, I, I want to get that player in. Dennis, maybe. I know people are ignoring AFCON and buying him in the market forces. Salah is in everyone's squads. But apart from that, I don't think there's anybody else sticking out. So ultimately, I think it's something to be mindful of, certainly. But it's definitely not something I'd be having kissens about by any stretch. What do you think about AFCON, Nick? Yeah, I broadly agree with um, what you said there. I think certainly you should be aware that it's going to happen and and avoid targeting any player that's on the list. And obviously, we've seen in the market forces, everyone's buying Dennis in the masses. So 
not everyone is fully aware of what's ahead of us. But, you know, I think it comes down to, to Salah and, and Dennis as the sort of the main picks that everyone has. They're certainly the two picks I have. There has been conversations held about holding these players throughout the tournament, which is a, a risky strategy. I certainly wouldn't want to hold both of them. And with Salah, again, it's a case of you, you do have a lot of us have um, a lot of money tied up with him. So I bought him at 12.5 start of the season. He's now 30.1. So, you know, it's 0.6 gains. But, you know, he will likely fall a little bit, I guess, hopefully during, during the period. So, it's not going to be that you're completely losing that cash, but you do have to think about how you're getting back in and and you don't want to be making too many changes and spreading that cash too much because obviously when he comes back, you're going to want him back in straight away because it's most Salah and he's the best player in the game. So there is that concern there ultimately in terms of getting him back in, but I'm, I'm not, I don't really want such an expensive passenger for such a, a period of time. And, and same with Dennis. So there's a little bit of drama going on with Dennis. It's, it's not too clear actually whether he's going to go to the tournament or not. Um, so he was named in the 40-man provisional squad, but there is actually interesting news today about the Nigerian manager, Gurnett Raw. So Dennis was out of favour with him and has been supposed falling out and he's actually been put behind the likes of Musa and Nigalo inexplicably in terms of the selection. But as Raw has been fired now, that might mean that Dennis is now back in favour and does go with the team and does go to the tournament. So it's kind of very much a moving picture there in terms of what's going on with Dennis. Is he going to um, AFCON? Is he not? We don't really know. But with the manager getting fired good chance now that he he might be selected so let's see what happens there the other issue with Dennis I got him in ages ago so he was 5.2 when I bought him he's now 5.9 I think he's going to be 5.9 over tonight or tomorrow after the price rise so getting more expensive and I got him actually as a sort of a reverse you know a, a pick for the bench Same. so there's a good chance I could just leave him as a passenger if, I, if I'm going to get rid of Salah maybe, maybe Dennis just sits there for a few weeks ultimately because he was a he was a bench pick ultimately but you know it kind of segues a guess onto next question to a certain extent because can I afford to keep someone like Dennis on on my bench when there's all these other issues and other concerns going on in, in the world right now we need a strong squad ultimately don't we yeah, um, we'll get on to that in just a second. But just to say, that was a question from Bryn Stewart this week. And he wrote in to who got the assist at gmail.com. If you want to get in your questions, queries, or whatever to us, do it that way. We can do it other ways as well. You can WhatsApp, you can DM, horseback messages, Palantir, whatever way you want to get in contact with us, do do it. We'd love to hear from you. Who got this and get your question highlighted on the correspondence. And we've got a really nice question from Bryn Stewart that we were going to bring in later on in the season. So the main questions this week. Thanks very much for your questions. The first question this week is COVID concerns from Benny Blanco. He says, ear lads, is it time to concentrate on beefing up our benches again, as Nick just infers? He says that COVID carnage, along with the usual festive chaos, could play havoc with our teams. I mean, Nick, what are you thinking here? I mean, you might panic, I might panic. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide, is it? No, I think there's certainly an element of panic and it is concerning. You know, my team's already been heavily impacted 
um, with likes of Tony, he's been out of the picture, and Kane, um, who I'd sold this week, and other people have had a lot of Spurs assets. Obviously, they've been impacted. But and um, our prime minister, who who remains our prime minister at the time of recording, has indicated tonight that a tidal wave of Omicron is around the corner. So that you know that's obviously concerning. And we've always avoided speculating on this topic in the past because we just don't know. We don't have answers. But you know, as I said, retrospectively, we're already seeing a little bit of impact. I've also got the question mark about Madison missing out this. Um, this midweek as well, um, if the Spurs Leicester game is cancelled. Um, yeah, so we've heard the Spurs are back at training today as well. So does that mean the game's getting on? We don't we don't actually know at the time of recording, but I think I think ultimately when it comes to FPL, we, as you said, a strong bench is important. It's about having a strong bench and also just not making those early transfers, just, just waiting, waiting as long as you can, as soon as you get news. I know people look at the price rise and think, oh, no, I've got cash and price rise. Everyone gets really nervous. But we saw it this week, you know, people selling Rafinha early and then then uh, taking minus fours, minus eights to, to deal with those Spurs assets afterwards. So um, I think my advice for FBL managers during these times is to wait for as long as possible before they're making their transfers and to make sure that they've got a decent playing squad. So, you know, even like I've got yeah. some Livermento. Um, I've been benching points all season anyway, so I can start <laughs> Gallas points this week and add Livermento on the bench as well. And I think, you know, having these characters is, is really useful because you've got someone you can call upon if, um, if needed. Yeah, early transfers out of Rafinha. Whoops, imagine who do that. Anyway, um, no, I agree with you there, Nick. An, an odd benefit of the strong template is that, unlike the Conservative government, we're all in this together. Uh, we're all going to be impacted by random events to borrow from economics, what we might call external shocks. And that means, yes, solid benches, as Benny Blanco mentions. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say you should have the lights of um, Gallagher, Dennis or whatever, on your bench because that probably isn't quite feasible at the moment but making sure you've got playing players and perhaps rethinking about having a dead spot people have got you know the likes of davis even the likes of shimikaz having 4.4 4.5 million midfielders and having a cheap playing defender is probably a good idea in some ways nick i guess it's the same advice we give in the christmas pile up anyway uh, benny alluded to that in his question just make sure you've got some dependable benches to come in and do a job for you like you've got Livermento, i've got cody and if you get punched by covid you've got to roll with it or at least take comfort in the fact that everybody else is in the same situation to you and people like yourself you weren't that exposed to spurs people like me i know uh, ross fpl uh, raptor ended up having to take a minus 12 because he had triple spurs and also two brighton one of those things where it's all very swings and roundabouty. Um, I mean, this week as well, I took a hit to remove Reggie and Kane as two. And sometimes there is a bit of an opportunity there to sort things out, especially if a player does look like they're going to miss a, or a team is going to look is looking like they're going to miss a week or two. I guess we can also trot out the old, you know, it's only two points lost if a player doesn't play sort of thing. I feel like it's just the same advice as usual around the festive periods trotted out again except magnified because of covid i really do and it's a case of just kind of just seeing it as being part and parcel of the game these days you may need to take a few more hits than you're comfortable with if you're able to kind of get an 11 out maybe that is the kind of the bare bones some weeks maybe you'll like nick this week just kind of accept that okay i haven't got a player i've got a goalkeeper i might not have the third defender or i might not have the fifth midfielder whatever just roll with it because ultimately other people were taking like myself a minus eight this week if you're able to kind of say okay i probably will be all right next week and i can probably kind of manage the situation it's a test of that sort of ability to be able to size up the situation and decide between caution and throwing caution to the wind ultimately that's down to you but 
I think that the usual kind of caveats surrounding how you manage your bench, making sure that you've got those sort of players who are able to come on and not neglecting it and having a, a dead spot do apply. Moving on to Ron or Non. None, but non because it kind of rhymes. Anyway, um, FPL Janinho, Chris asked on our Slack about United. He says that Sancho and Greenwood are quite lackluster. Bruno is off penalties, so that kind of destroys a lot of his FPL potential, as it were. And De Gea kept United in the game against the league's bottom club. Does that mean that it's CR7 or nothing in terms of United's upcoming fixture run? Now, as we mentioned last week with FPL Harry, the first thing that Ragnik is going to be doing is probably shoring up that defence. It's easier to fix defence according to all forms of FPL journalists. Not FPL, all forms of football journalists and fix an attack. And FPL Harry said, spoke eloquently last week about this on the pod. And I can only agree with him about that. That the first task for Ranjik isn't really about getting United purring like a well fed feline, it's about getting them winning. And that's what he's done. Yes, it's 2 1 nils against middling to lower reaches clubs, but equally he has one. And on paper, he's at least sure that that back line and that mistly to Hayer's heroics, as Chris mentions, were the order of the day last week. But nonetheless, a defence where the focus is going to be for a little while. Maybe we will get into that sort of situation. Remember, it must have been about three, four years ago, Nick, where you know Phil Jones, David De Gea, those were players that seemed to kind of move the needle every week and have a Man United defender, then you were absolutely toast. And I've got Dallow at the moment, 4.5, you're on the cheap punt. But I'm worried about kind of, you know, Wan-Bissaka maybe getting some minutes at some point. And also there's some COVID news coming out of the club too, which is next earlier. We're not going to speculate too much on, but just, just keep an eye on it. They're not purring going forwards, I said. And Anthony made a bold decision to bring in Bruno. Well, I'm not sure about that, even though I made the ex-Mins case. He looks fairly off the boil with Ronaldo being the, 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 the talisman now, as it were. But it will only take a return or two to get him there. Uh, he's holding on for 10th, actually, in expected goal involvement this season via stats bomb. But I think the reality is, Ron or none, if you're looking at going forwards, as Chris suggests, I think that's probably true. He's up to 7th this season in terms of non-pen XGI according to stats bomb. Most of due to that big miss this week, actually. I think he was going to 11 for 12 uh, before. But I mean, him missing that and scoring a pen sums up what he offers really to me. Uh, from a game perspective, he does obviously impact how United play and set up. But from an FPL perspective, I'm not sure what people who didn't buy him in expected from the game against Norwich. The guy will get chances and he's on penalties. He can score in any game, but it's Ronaldo, et cetera, et cetera. Either way, I'm happy to hold. I know he'll probably miss a game or two. I mean, I fast that into my thinking. But linking back to Benny's question, perhaps, I've got a decent bench that can cover him. You know, I can take one point when they happen as well. I mean, it's part of the risk-reward kind of thing of having a an aging player, I guess, who's still nonetheless a focal point and still uh, a very predatory sort of individual. After all, not captioning him during this run, I'm still going to do Salah for the time being. But I think in the light run of games, he's one for whom the beacons are lit. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, I think it's all about Ronaldo, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, one does not simply not own Ronaldo in FPL. He's um, he's there, he's, he's 12 million, he's expensive, but he will get you those returns. He's, he's scoring those penalties. He's getting those tap-ins. He, he, if you don't own him, he's going to frustrate the hell out of you ultimately. So I think he's the one out of all the Manchester United players that you've got to try and think about how you get him in or make a plan. I think Bruno has ultimately, unfortunately, become a bit of a dead option, as, as you kind of alluded to, Tom. Uh, but 
you know, United as a team in general, their, their attacking stats are pretty good. They're only sort of behind the big three of Liverpool, Chelsea and City in terms of the shots on target over the course of the season. Uh, but, and I think it's just mainly it's just Ronaldo, isn't it? Bruno, I looked at the sort of the underlying stats, some of the other midfielders out there and, you know, Sancho and Rashford, nowhere near the metrics. Greenwood's just behind Bruno in terms of the underlying metrics. But so far, in, under the Rangnick um, sort of era, Sancho has been his preference for a starting berth. Um, he's known, knows him from the Bundesliga. And I kind of thought maybe he might be able to unlock that potential that we've all been waiting for from Sancho since he joined the Premier League. But it's not really happened for him, even in the last couple of games which he's died. He's only had an XGI of 0.28. So not got involved really at all so far. And he got hooked early for, for Greenwood in both games. And I think it might even be a possibility that Greenwood starts if um, Sancho continues to underperform in the next few. But I think yeah. it's a um, question, question about Greenwood. Whilst I think he is a great FPL pick at his price, if he was starting, it's, it's X-Mins for, for Greenwood, isn't it? And and if he's not going to start, then you don't want a guy you don't want a guy like that as a passenger in your team. So, yeah, Ronaldo bust ultimately is kind of my main point. And then, you, yeah, you mentioned the defenders. I do really like Diogo uh, Dallo. He's the one that I would get in. I've been thinking about getting in for a little while. I haven't really had time to make any defensive transfers and just kind of got this Ben White type character, which is helping save me when Ramsdale gets his 11 points. He's kind of got Ben White kind of mitigating that to a certain extent. So it's not too bad. And I think uh, Dallo seems to have nailed on that sort of starting position ahead of Wambasaka, who's, who's frankly been pretty awful the last couple of years, hasn't he? So yeah, I think I think it's all about Ronaldo, um, even though he's very, very expensive. But United's fixtures... You, you kind of got to get the guy in, haven't you? Exactly. That's the way I looked at it. I mean, you're probably right about the rest of the team as well. Let's see what happens with Dallo. Wan Masakri, you said, the offers nothing going forward. Fantastic defensive presence. But I think once he gets the... Once he progresses, he's suddenly got, he's got no idea what to do with it. Sancho, Greenwood, I think, was spot on about them. The, the, the problem is, is the price for both of them. 8.9 million for Sancho. I mean, remember when people were looking at having him in to cover Bruno on game week one. Wow, that seems a long time ago. And Greenwood as well. He was obviously incredibly popular at the beginning of the season. Did return. Uh, scored a goal in the first, each of the first three game weeks, I think. Down 7.2 now. The problem is that there's loads of individuals who are doing the business around Greenwood's price to cheaper. Would you be paying that much for Sancho? Probably not. Would you be paying for Greenwood? Probably not. It's just some people, the, the squad structure is quite difficult to fit Ronaldo in. And it's probably just a case of balancing FOMO. I mean, at the end of the day, this week could have walked away with a brace and 15 points, something like that. You know that is possibly going to happen with Ronaldo. He, he is going to get chances. I think he had the best XG for any player this game week. Is that something that you're going to be able to stomach missing out on? Possibly. You know, if you have two sissy midfielders, for example, say you're sat there with Bilver and Foden, then maybe you'll be able to cover not having Ronaldo because those two together may be able to score a similar amount of points or massively outscore, perhaps given City's exposed capacity, what Ronaldo can possibly do for you. No player is essential apart from one, maybe two, Salah and Trent. The rest of it is all up to you to basically configure in your team. But I, as I said earlier, I think the beacon is lit for Ronaldo given the fixtures that they have going forward. Let's move on to underperformers. So we had a few questions about a couple of different underperformers. One is a unit, one is an individual, although the individual is a unit, actually. Um, the first kind of bit is about Chelsea. So FPL Dabby, old Dabster, said that is Arstiff, the clean sheet machine that is Tushel's Chelsea, it's stalling. Is it worth sticking with Chelsea defensive players and hope they'll get back on track or she'll be abandoned ship? 
Jimmy the Claret followed up and said, can't double this question with more crying emojis. He also asked if, you know, we have a single defender or a double defender. Does that change our kind of answer? FPL Elf wrote into me on DM. He asked, am I sensible in sticking with double Chelsea defence? And also asked about Mikel Antonio. He said, Antonio, Arby's funds better spent elsewhere for the next few games. And Karam Tizer as well, or Tizer, as I should probably say, he wrote to me on WhatsApp as well. Hi guys, my question is about Antonio. He has only one return since game week 10. And while there are great fixtures ahead, he seems really off the pace. What would you do with him? I mean, let's take the Chelsea defence first, Nick, and then we'll do Antonio afterwards. Where are you on the Chelsea defence and what would you advise uh, the guys and managers out there to do? Yeah, I think it's a question mark if you're doubled up right now, Chelsea defence. If, if you've got just one of them and you've got Reese James, I think, or even Rudiger, I think you just leave him. Um, I think they're not too bad. I mean, they've conceded 11 goals over the entire season. Uh, four, uh, Seven of them have been in the last four game weeks. So that's an indication of what's going on with Chelsea. And it has been sort of <laughs> surprisingly impacted by the the change of Ben Chilwell getting injured and Marcus Alonso coming into the team. And I got Alonso in for this period. And and I think if you doubled up with Alonso and then James or Alonso and Rudiger, I think you could probably get rid of Alonso, maybe. You know, that's an option. It depends how many other fires you have in your team. I think if you've got Reese James, he's blanked four weeks in a row, and it, which is a bit of a disaster as far as managers will be concerned. But, you know... <laughs> Let's, let's not have too much recency bias here. Before that, this guy was absolutely smashing it in terms of attacking returns and keeping clean sheets. You know, 21 points in terms of FPL points against Newcastle, 13 against um, Nor- Norwich. You know, he scored three goals there and he's, he's getting attacking returns. He was getting clean sheets. Brilliant, brilliant pick. I wouldn't be looking to sell him just because of, a, you know, a few dodgy games in a row. And, and yeah, their next four are pretty decent. Everton, Wolves, Villa, Brighton. You know, don't don't get rid of this guy, you know, because he he's got quite high ownership, and I think he's definitely got potential for big returns. Even though they have had a bit of a a dodgy 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 patch, and Rudiger tonight he picked up a couple of jammy assists, so he, he got a decent return as well. So I think with the fixtures that are coming up, likes of Wolves who are absolutely toothless going forward, I, I I wouldn't be too much of a rush to sell Chelsea players. I think um, they are missing Chilwell. It has had a bit of an impact. They're missing Kante. You know, they're, they're not as great as they were, but they're still a solid side and, and been one of the best defences over the course of the season. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see more clean sheets and, and them to sort of pick up their form a little bit in the next few defensively. They are a decent defence. It's not Man City style, you shall not pass, but nonetheless, it is decent enough. Their last clean sheet has been was in game week 12 against Leicester. So it's been four weeks of misery. And as I mentioned earlier on, Riggs James, recency bias with a double E, missed one game and got two zeros on the field. So a triple bagel for him. It's definitely slowed down for Chelsea's defence, that's for sure. There are some captain hindsights on socials proclaiming victory over James in particular, saying a lot of his reputation was built on a few big weeks. And the Tom Danes, who asked a question last week, actually tweeted me this week to point out that in 16 games, James has returned one point or less 11 times. So it's only kind of five game weeks that we're all kind of dining off with Reese. Wow. Now looking further of the nineties he's played three of them, the most recent three have been blanks. So five 
90s that he's played, he's returned. But just over half of the 90s that he's played, five out of eight, have resulted in points, which is still a decent ratio nonetheless. Elsewhere, Rudiger's ticking along nicely, very advanced again. I mean, if you get two penalty assists as a central defender, things are going okay. And as you mentioned, Nick, Alonso constantly out of position, but they're still the second best defence in the Premier League, according to Statsbomb, equal to Crystal Palace? Really? Yeah, yeah. And Nick mentioned they they conceded only 11 goals, but they're expected to concede as 24. So they are, they've been performing very well over the last little while. And maybe, as FC may say, variants swinging back at them. I, I think if you do own double, you may be looking to move on. If you do own James, you do own Rudiger, I'd probably be sticking with that. If you own Alonso, I mean, you're Alonso and Nick, and you're saying, yeah, maybe it's time to move him on. He's very hard to watch, but he got the assist this week. You know the positions he gets into, but watching him as well, you can see how he can be, be a defensive liability. So it's very much about whether you kind of watch him with a football head or watch him with an FPL head or try to integrate the two and try to think, okay, he's in a terrible position. He's just given away a goal, but I may be able to get an attack and return from him. I don't know. Next game is Everton. We'll see where they are. I mean, they they were they looked pretty abject tonight, to be fair. Um, did get the goal, and it was a bit of a goal mouth scramble. And Chelsea's next four this calendar year are pretty good, to be honest. So Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa, and Brighton. Of though the next two, especially Everton and Wolves, could well be clean sheets. We could say that for any game with Chelsea. They're very much like Liverpool and Man City. They are the hard fixture against whatever team they're playing. There could be clean sheets in those games. We could see these players come roaring back. Yes, it's been a bit crap if you're a Reese James owner and you've got three bagels. I keep the faith for now. But if over the next two game weeks, i.e. the next five, six days, he continues to not perform, then maybe we'll be looking at him again and thinking it may be time for you to leave, bro. Moving on to Mr. Antonio. Yes, I've had him since game week one. And at this point, it's not faith anymore. It's simply the fact there's a lack of alternatives and he's got good fixtures to come. Today, for example, even against Burnley, there wasn't really any hope. Only a false hope, really. I should have sold him ages ago, I think. Uh, to whom is the key question. I'm not sure who I'd have sold him to, but I probably should have. He's still fourth for non-pen SGI this season, but it's very much from the first four weeks. So you're seeing a character dining out on a ridiculous, blistering start, and from there just faltering massively. I did a little comparison of the first four game weeks from the next 12 and looks at his per-game data. It's pretty crap reading, to be honest. His XGI per game has gone down from 0.9 per game to 0.4. 0.4 is still pretty... It's still okay. But if you look at other stuff, the, the, the analog stats, which I very rarely go into these days, but the pen box touches, the shot volume, they're all markedly down. His blade has been broken, but can it be remade? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's struggling with extra attention on him, maybe from opposition defences. I feel like as well, he's being used as a bit of a foil, you know, like making space for everybody else at the moment. And it's quite difficult to watch as an owner. He feels a little bit impotent. But Arsenal, Norwich, Southampton and Watford are still all right for the next four. All good until game 23, actually. And again, the question I ask is, who do I sell him to? I've got Ronaldo and Dennis already. I'm not interested in King. I mean, Watkins, perhaps you mentioned earlier in the market forces. 
Norwich, Burnley and Chelsea, the next three. I mean, my read of those would be they're not as good as FDR would have me believe. Like Norwich have turned the corner defensively. They were, they, they were okay defensively against United. A couple of times for Ronaldo here and there. Burnley perhaps have gone back to their obstinate, grindy selves. Uh, just seeing a little bit of the West Ham highlights. And to be honest, perhaps I'd highlight Chelsea as being the best game for Watkins out of the next three. So I'm not convinced on him. Not really convinced on Antonio either. But I've got nothing better to do. So I think I'm holding him for a bit longer, Nick. I mean, what are your views on Antonio? Yeah, I don't actually have him in my team, but every week I've been looking at live FPL and seeing his ownership and thinking, please be quiet, please be quiet, because I just know that any sort of Antonio return would just <laughs> send, my, send my rank plummeting. I think pretty much yeah. every week he's been around that sort of 40 to 50%. At one point it was up to sort of 70% before he went on this massive run of, run of blanks. And he was the guy, if you remember, Tom, at the beginning of the season, just completely punished me for not owning. So I don't know why I have not owned him. Isn't, but it's just, he's just never really fitted into my team structure. But you are right in terms of sort of the forward options. There's just no one really out there. As you said, Watkins is the, the market forces darling. You could be talking about the double up with Watford, King and Dennis. So I've still got, um, I've still got Tony actually as a flag in my team. And I was thinking about King as a replacement. Um, you know, you could say, okay, I downgrade Antonio to King downgrade into Pukio. No, it's, it's just it's not great, is it? You know, as I said, the top sort of forwards in the game right now are like Pukki and St. Maximum, Gabriel Jesus. I don't even know how he's got his points considering I've barely seen him do anything all season. So I think Antonio, he's still dining out on this August success, which is why everyone has mm. him in the team still. But he's he's been not involved at all. But I think with the fixtures, if you haven't got other fires to put out, you might have to just stick <laughs> with this guy, I think. You yep. know, unless you're looking to try and move him up to Ronaldo and setting players in midfield, which is fair enough. But yeah, Norwich and Southampton, Watford, Crystal Palace, Leeds. Those are all really, really nice fixtures. Even Arsenal, I would say, is quite a decent fixture for West Ham because Arsenal will probably try and attack the game and give Antonio space. So good chance of return there. But yeah, as Karim said in his question, you know, one return since game week 10, that's just dreadful, you know. That's just really, really bad. And his, his stats aren't great either. Um, so for me, I'm not going to get him in. I'm, I'm just going to probably target uh, Bowen in terms of covering West Ham. I think he's probably the pick to go for. And if you do have Bowen and Antonio, then maybe you could downgrade Antonio and use that money to upgrade your midfield potentially. But just just depends on your team structure. I think, you know, if there's other fires to put out, then put out those fires. Yeah, I was looking at moving Antonio on to eventually upgrade Conor Gallagher before this game week at some point. But obviously I'm not doing that now. So as you said, Nick, it's just a case of I'm going to keep him because there's no other immediate option to replace him with. And so I'm not particularly interested in Wally Watkins at the moment. So I have to kind of just hold him. The fixtures are okay. I'm not expecting very much every week, but I've got nowhere to go with him at the moment because I've only got one free transfer. Maybe I've got two. I'll think about it a little bit more. Final question this week is cancel Jao. So Jao Cancelo is obviously suspended next game. He got his fifth yellow card of the season. Dan at FPL Cup of Tea asks us what we're doing with Cancelo. Is it a stick or is it a twist? If Watkins is the market forces darling, he's the market forces dark lord, the highest sold player according to the market forces this week. Nick, what are you doing at the moment with Cancelo? I will be benching him, as I said, you know, there's there's other fires to put out. I'm I'm fine with missing out on 
one week from him. It's just his, his stats have been brilliant. He's even this game week he created another four chances, which was the, more than any other player. And he had 126 passes this week, further cementing his position. Not that we particularly care about this analog metric, as you put it, but um, he's certainly not the type of player you can say you shall not pass to. Is he's had more passes than any other player this season, and more more touches in the opposite half as well this week. Which he's meant to be a defender, and he's incredible metrics. Um, he's the third highest scoring player in the game, and Man City have been getting lots of clean sheets all, all over the course of the season. And after this game week, he's got Newcastle. That's, that's a anchor if ever you saw it for a clean sheet. Um, Leicester, Brentford. Um, I definitely just going to keep him. I think it's just I've got value tied up as well. So with Cancelo, he's, he's never really let me down over the course of the entire season. I'm. I know we've been talking about strong benches and stuff, but I think just just keep him for now. I'm in an okay position. I've got Cody and I've got Douglas Louise who are on my bench and I've got Cancelo just sat at third bench, nestled at the third bench, same as you. I'm very happy with him, same reasons you expressed. He's the second highest for expected goal involvements among defenders in the Premier League behind Trent, of course. I've got lots of cash in him, so I'm not moving him on. And as you say, he should be back in too in that first city, in that city first team very quickly there's a nice rest for him too ahead of a potentially hectic schedule and city's defense have the lowest non-pen expected goals against them so yeah i think i'm keeping him i, I can kind of see why people are moving him on to some extent but not really just because i feel like people who are selling him must be late adopters to be honest looking at the market forces people are i guess buying in rudiger of the fact the lad got two assists, two pen assists. And then looking down it, you've still got Trent. People are buying Trent. I mean, I, I don't really understand what's managers. going on. <laughs> yeah, it does seem a bit strange. And then obviously over the course of last week, you had people still buying in Spurs players, despite the fact that the game was like to be called off. So I just don't get it, really. If you are twisting, I'm not really too sure where you go, really. That's my kind of problem too maybe there are some people in the situation where you're looking at kind of thinking I, I need a third defender but what kind of team setup have you got if you're struggling to field three defenders you must be having lots of you know Shimakas and Brandon Williams sat on your bench so I mean maybe it's uh, one of those things where you've got to think about how you kind of managed and apportioned all of your resources in your team. Not a criticism, maybe it's just the way that you prefer to set up. It's one of those where I kind of wonder about maybe rethinking how you set up your defence because a, a decent defence, as we know through you know, the father of Big of the Back, Nick, is a way that you could possibly go. Right. Speaking of ways you could possibly go, let's move on to the transfers and captains this week. So I have a fairly decent team, Ramsdale in goal. Uh, I've got the Jad this week. So I've got James, Alexander-Arnold and Dello at the back, uh, hoping that that Brentford Man United fixture goes ahead. In midfield, I've got Gallagher, Bowen, Salah and Jota. And out front, I've got the Dennis, Antonio and Ronaldo, the Rad front free. Free for free is a bit retro <laughs> in defense. Uh, so on the bench, I've got Cody uh, with uh, away at Brighton. So it's pretty good at first bench. Uh, I've got Douglas Louise at 4.5, sat there with Norwich away. I'm benching Cancelo. But I'm intending to roll 100%. 
for any more madness and if I've got an inability to field an 11 that can mean that FTs are back on the menu boys but I, I, I don't think that that's going to happen this week I, I, I really hope that I'll be able to roll it I don't know what I'm going to do if I roll it but <laughs> I just want to see what happens going forward there'll be inevitable fires I mean maybe you know I could be convinced perhaps that Watkins is the best thing since sliced bread and I need to buy him rather than sell Antonio. But as I said earlier on, I'm a little bit skeptical on Watkins at the moment, given the fixtures. So it's all something that I'm I'm willing to just kind of let roll over. And plus I've taken minus 12 worth of hits in the last two game weeks. So it might be worth weaning myself off those hits as Chris FPL Janino mentioned earlier, keeps telling me to do. And Anthony this week, he has basically said that he's doing the same. So he's rolling FT for the lack of fires to fight and fires sure to come. He's still got Benteke. He's still got Jesus. Uh, and he's uh, still got Guesa. So I'd suggest there's quite a few fires there. He's also got Alan and Cancelo on his bench. So he's only got Ben White on his bench. And he's got Bruno Fernandes for reasons unknown. Nonetheless, team looks okay, provided everybody starts. I mean, you'd imagine Benteke will start. Not sure about Jesus. It's perfectly serviceable. Great iron goal. The Chelsea double up of uh, James and Rudiger and Trent. Midfield, Smith Rowe, Salah, Bowen and Fernandes. And up front, Jesus, Benteke and King, which is a, probably a very unorthodox front line. But hey, if it all bangs, then he's going to be in clover. And finally, Nick, what are you going to do this week? Yeah, so currently I've got the, the sort of three-five-two set up. Um, Sanchez in goal, Livermento, Alonso, Trent um, making defence in midfield. Currently it's Salah, Rafinha, Yota, Madison, and Gallagher. Um, and Dennis and Ronaldo up front. Um, ben White would be the man who would come off the bench uh, if I had any injuries. Obviously, Salah is the captain. I think if I'm going to make a move, and I have been thinking about midfield moves, it's, it's more about covering West Ham right now. So Antonio. You know, I've been thinking about how to fund Tony to Antonio for a while, but it's just not worth it, is it? His current form is actually the, uh, the midfield man I'm most interested in. Uh, but if, if the Spurs Leicester game is cancelled, perhaps it won't be. Then it would unfortunately be my hero Madison going. Otherwise, I'm, I'm very tempted to sell Rafinha. Um, another player who's been doing pretty well, picking up those penalty points, but um, tough fixtures. And I could get rid of Rafinha and to support the axe of Conor Gallagher, I'd get the, the bow of Jared Bowen into my team and and get that West Ham coverage that way uh, to cover those fixtures. And I think he fits the bill perfectly. I mean, the other option would be, as I said, return of the King by getting rid of Tony and, and getting Josh King in with the double uh, Watford forward line. But Tom's shaking his head at that idea. doesn't like that one. I think he prefers the idea of me getting Bowen in. So that's probably where I'm leaning right now. As I said, depends what news we hear in the next, well, next day ultimately. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I should have mentioned earlier on that me and Anthony also captaining Salah. We forgot about it. It's not, it's not even in consideration at the moment. But obviously, the Newcastle game, it's very hard to look past that. I think, Nick, that is everything, isn't it? Yep, that's a wrap. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. As a reminder, we are Who Got the Assist. We're also on YouTube, if you fancy watching us and seeing our faces on there. And there's a little uh, presentation that's on, nicely put together. And if you want to join the league, the code is... 2IP432T. And also, don't forget to send correspondence in, please. And, and we'll read it out on the pod, or Tom and Anthony will on the next pod. 
yep who got the assist at gmail.com so we know pod on thursday as i think i'm scheduled to be out i'm afraid uh, I'm, I'm sorry but this is one of those things quick turnaround christmas loads of things going on we're back for a full pod after game week 18 so i think that's monday the 20th something like that we'll be joined by fpl general for our annual festive edition in the meantime we hope we assisted you ahead of game week 17 and we'll speak to you very very soon now fly you fools Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.